Check a check a mic, mic. Check a check a mic, mic. Oh, yeah. Do you want to do the, could you sing a song without any background music or do you want to just skip that? No, I'll skip that. Yeah, I, don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a good idea. I'm going to bring you back on track and then we can chat up. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to cut out the last 20 minutes of our chat there. Do you want to hear my uh, my bare naked lady story? Oh, uh, yeah. Let's have it. Okay, you don't have to put this in the pod. Just so you know, we're at an hour and 25. Yeah. <laughs> we we will put it in the pod. You will put it in the pod? Probably, yeah. Oh, we'll see. You'll see if you like it or not. Stephen okay. Page was the fat guy, right? The yep. lead singer? Oh, uh, yeah. I've been pitching this topic since basically day one. Not exactly sure where it's going to go because it's such a broad area. It's like, let's talk about religion. It's March 2022. This is episode 48, Music. Here's the first part of the disclaimer. I was heavy into the dark web and Napster and all that stuff. Mm, yeah, you were. I was swiping music for a long time, but honestly waiting for it to be realistic. Yeah. Because like, for a while it did seem like it was too expensive for what you were getting and all that. Maybe that wasn't true, but whatever. But once they figured out the world, just like Netflix, when Apple Music came along, I was happy to spend that money and we've been spending that money every month since yeah. Apple Music started. So I'm not proud of all of those things, but that's where our life was at. While we're at it and doing disclaimers, there is this. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. When I'm in a mood, like when I want to blast something in my car, my go-to genre, it's old school hip hop. Straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucker named Ice Cube. From the gang called niggas with attitudes. When I'm called on. And even probably more classically defined as gangster rap. Windows up now. <laughs> I would say that that was imprinted on me quite heavily. It was so different from anything that I had listened to. Just the rhythm and the beat and the strength and the words. I was just blown away by it. There hasn't been a day in the last 20 years that that CD has not been in the CD rack in my car. We're 50-year-old white dudes with, you know, gray beards. And why the hell do we love NWA and Public Enemy? All right, here's the real disclaimer. Yeah, there's some swearing. Maybe it's a little inappropriate at times, but my mom hasn't stopped listening yet, so can't be that bad. This is the Snow Day Podcast with Dr. George Alvarez. And I think people are probably missing out on a lot of great music because they get to literally pick and choose. They're taking grapes and they're throwing away everything else that doesn't, isn't a perfect round grape to them, right? Like they just don't give it a chance. And I think that part of it is sad. So I, I suspect that many of the albums that we're going to talk about will end up being really old because no one has consumed, at least for me, in at least 20 years. CEO Leslie Hansen. 
It's like a collection of great songs in an order. You remember them in that order. As the song fades out, you're already hearing the intro music to the next song, right? And so it's not necessarily all stuff that I would listen to today, but if it went on, I would say, yep, I know this, I love this, and I know every single track, and I can kind of remember to a time in my life when it was really important to me. And me, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. Around that time, I was working at CHTM. The government may have brainwashed me because you had to play a certain amount of Canadian artists and Canadian rockers were a big part of that. So I listened to that music all of the time and that is 100% my go-to stuff. It's been about a month since we all were here together on a podcast. Have we touched on this on the pod before? I don't know. Your new friend, Kelly Rudy. I love your brush with greatness that you have a new friend who's a superstar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say we're, we're friends, but I've discovered that my new gym that I've uh, that I belong to, Kelly Rudy, has been a lifelong member. And everybody knows who he is on Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, he lives in Calgary and he's a, like a really personable, nice guy. He's the executive workout. I only ever see him with a towel steaming. I've never seen him work out. <laughs> that could be our next big get. I think you should say, hey, we've got this podcast. None of us watch hockey. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do, George, but you watch more than less. Well, I watch it sure. live. I don't watch it on yeah. TV. I only he watch goes it live. Games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did have a Stevie D sighting. Steve Ooh, was in town. He was right. in Toronto for a while. A couple of weekends ago, he and I got together and uh, wandered around for a couple of hours. It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon. We walked around for a couple hours, went to the Broadview Hotel up to the rooftop and had a beer up there and watched the sunset in a glorious romantic setting as we, that we chuckled about. <laughs> Holding hands, you guys shared a milkshake with two straws? Like, <laughs> yeah, we had a moment, you know, we had a moment. Were you outside? No, so the Broadview Hotel is just a hotel here in my neighborhood that has a really cool rooftop bar that is half indoors, half outdoors. And the outdoor section was closed. And there was actually like three feet of snow on it. It was kind of funny. We've actually had a, a, a proper Canadian wintry blast in uh, Toronto. I think it might have been, was it while we were recording the last podcast that I had the legit snow day, Bruce, where I woke up? <laughs> it was the next day. Yeah, I called you the next morning and I was like, it's the largest ever one day snowfall in Toronto today. <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, it was like a, a ton of snow and then got cold enough for a couple of weeks that the snow actually has stuck around, which is a little bit rare for Toronto. So yeah, it's been good enjoying proper winter weather and uh, nobody loves snow more than my dog who doesn't see it, uh, you know, too, too often. So she freaks out and loves to bury her face in the snow. So take the dog out and run around and that's about it. We've had, yeah, a proper Canadian winter in Thompson. That's, that's probably my check-in. The big news is it's been insanely cold here. <laughs> that's not news for you, though, Bruce. <laughs> well, you know what? Even for us, it's been such a long run of just steady cold, like minus 25 to minus 35 
Yeah. Daytime highs of minus 25 and overnight lows of 35 since the middle of December and even a little bit before that. So it's just been like a, a punishing run of that. Here's my craziest fun fact. I don't think I've ever seen this before. So Murph and I went out to the cottage today and it was 39 overnight last night. So when we got there, it was minus, I don't know what, 26, 27 inside the cabin, maybe minus 30. I don't know. We started to get it warmed up and we're doing a little bit of reno. So I was moving some stuff around. And there was a bottle of raspberry vodka that was frozen <laughs> solid. Ooh. <laughs> like, you could do, yeah, you could do some science experiments on how cold it has to get to freeze that stuff. <laughs> it was bizarre. Like I, I picked it up to move it and it didn't shake at all. It was, it was frozen solid. Considering, you know, many people keep vodka in their freezer, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to think the same yeah. thing. People put... They're white booze, at least, in uh, in the freezer, so it comes out a little slurry, and most freezers are minus 15 to 20. Yeah. Uh, but in your case, there? you could just leave out the booze outside. You don't need uh, to. <laughs> well, not. Inside. <laughs> Bruce, why would you ever want to do renos when it's fucking minus 30? Like, that's so stupid. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. <laughs> that felt a little harsh, but yeah. <laughs> hey, Bruce, that's stupid. <laughs> what were you thinking? It, it's so we don't have enough summer days to, I don't want to spend my whole summer inside my cabin doing renovations. So now is not a bad time to do them. Like if I'm going to do inside renos. Now it has been such a slow renovation compared to our house in town because you're right. Every time I go there, I got to go out. It takes two hours to get it up to a temperature where I can actually work inside there. It's not even warm, but at least you can kind of work and do some things and then come back to town. So it's been kind of slow going in, in that respect. We're putting in an Ikea kitchen is where it started. And then there's some project creep, less you, you know, project creep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We all do. Mm -hmm. So now there's a little bit of stuff going on in the living room and everything, but yeah, my plan is to try to be done before the ice is out. So it'll be a bunch of back and forths and just kind of heat up the cabin and do what we can. The only thing that really, because you can do lots of work when it's zero or minus yep. five or whatever, like construction's construction, but painting is going to be an issue. Yeah. You can't paint. You <laughs> can't need like paint. 10, 12 degrees probably to paint without the paint screwed up. I think so. Or else spend a week there where we can warm it up and keep it warm. I can yep. keep it that warm inside once we get yep. to the beginning of April, but it's just, it's a concerted effort. So anyway, it's, it's actually, cause we're still a little bit COVID locked down. It's actually kind of a neat little winter project, something to think about and, and something to do. And you know, the cabin's tiny, so it's not a huge job. So am I still stupid, George? No. Well, yes, you are. So my, <laughs> so my question is, since we're going to be talking about music, what is the usual tunes that are on when you're doing a reno before we start the bulk of this pod? What were you listening to with your son? I'm using that as the segue to the body of the podcast. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> George, always jump at the gun. Always yeah, jump at the gun. That was nice. That was nice. One, two, three, four. You asked me, George, what music I listened to while I was doing my renovation at the cottage today. The answer is a new Slash with Miles Kennedy CD. It's called Four. It's the fourth one they've done together. I'm not the hugest Slash fan, but Jason Haywood, who I sit beside at hockey, said, hey, man, you should listen to this. And so I rolled through that. I rolled through Brian Adams' Reckless start to finish. And the reason I did that is when we rented our house, I sent out a 
a text to a few different people who listen to lots of music and said, look, I want to listen to full albums because I have time. Send me some. Yeah. And I got a, the widest variety of suggestions you've ever seen. And I listened to basically everything anyone sent. <laughs> Brian Adams' Reckless just landed with me. And I listened to it every day that I did our kitchen upstairs reno, cover to cover. Wow, look at that. So I threw that one on. The highlight of that whole thing is there's a Tina Turner cameo in there. She makes the whole CD. It was those two and Paul Simon Graceland. Solid, solid one. Part of that was was prep for today. How do you consume music? How do you listen to music these days compared to the rest of your life? My answer is all the time. But with that said, today was a little bit of a special day where I sit down or focus on uh, you know, an album or an artist or something like that. A lot of the time it's, I have the radio on at work all the time and I listen to a number of different things. Always thinking of you guys, I listen to The Edge in Toronto. I listen to Calgary Country 105, Georgie. I listen to Star <laughs> FM in Brandon. I listen to Shea FM in Ottawa, thinking about my sister. So they, <laughs> Brandon's from home. So they all have a reason why. And there's some pretty big disparity in the kinds of music. Energy 106, there used to be a DJ that lived in Thompson, AJ Light, who's the DJ in Winnipeg now. So I listened to him and a, and a couple other people. So I listened to lots of radio. We always listen in the car. The only time I don't think I listen to a lot of music is when I'm walking to work or moving around. That's when I listen to podcasts. But around the house, Saturday, Sunday morning, we listen to country music. We listen to Country 105, The Kicks Brooks, The Kicks Brooks, American Country Countdown. <laughs> awesome. Saturday morning, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. I'm like not the biggest country fan in the world, but I like that. And then there's a guy named Bobby Bone. The first of three corrections by the secret weapon, it's Bobby Bones. Marnie gets upset with me too. I make that mistake all the time. And he has a country countdown on Sunday mornings on the same station. So we listen to country. So can you guys know we get together with our friends and jam. So we play yeah. music and I get introduced to lots of music there. So it's, it's in my head a lot. Community band, all that, all that kind of stuff. Well, that will certainly be a letdown after that tour de force that you just did there. You, <laughs> Jesus. Did you go to, like, you went to band camp probably. And I, got I, you know what? I, I went to sports camp. I went to volleyball camp with Kirk Fedgie, but band camp was there. And probably I should have gone to band camp looking back. <laughs> it would have been better for my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it would probably be fair to say, and I can speak on behalf of Les, that you probably consume more variety and just physically more music than any one of us. But you did say a couple of interesting things, so I'll change my answer. I would say up until I got Sirius Radio or XFM, I basically listened to music traditionally, like on the radio uh, or on my Sonos player. But now ever since I've got Sirius, most of my consumption comes via my kids in my car on my Sonos player through my Sirius because you can listen to literally anything. So Megan hates having loud music when we eat and there's music constantly in our household. So we can like look up a piano concerto and we can have music in the background while we eat. So I would have to say that the major consumption I have is really through my kids on a satellite platform because if I feel like 80s or 90s hip hop, or jazz, or Spanish concertos, I can just listen to whatever I want. 
So I, I definitely moved away from the traditional, you know, CD or iPods that we had in the past, you know, a thousand songs in our back to basically just ripping whatever you want off XM. We have Apple Music. Our family has Apple Music, which is probably similar to what you're talking about. The funny thing is at the cottage, at the fire pit, I have a CD player and cassette player. Oh, nice. Still listen to mixtapes. So if you have any that you're not using, send them over. It's, it is hilarious. Oh, Brucey. Even the CD player is good, but the cassette player, it's <laughs> waiting for it to rewind is the most punishing thing in the world when we used to just do it all the time. It's hilarious. You know what, man? I'll tell you what. I have, ooh, somewhere if I still have it. I have one of those vinyl binder where you take the CDs out of their cases and you put them in all the inside sleeves so you can put like 500 CDs in a binder like that. If you still have it, send it over. I have one that I have not touched for a decade, probably. Because <laughs> I, I realized at one point, I literally, I don't own anything that can play a CD anymore. But, <laughs> you know, you go to move and you pick something up and you go, oh, I should throw this out. And you go, oh, I can't throw this out. And then you go, hey, does anybody want my CDs? And everyone says, well, no, and nobody listens to CDs anymore. <laughs> so I'm going to put that in the mail to you. And you <laughs> can it. laugh at the weird, uh, you know, compilation of CDs that I accumulated over a lifetime yeah. and didn't throw out. <laughs> Nothing beats looking into somebody else's music history, right? <laughs> so you're obviously not listening to CDs. It's music in the car. I'm going to say of the three of us, without a doubt, I consume the least amount of music. And it, it's actually something I've been thinking about lately because, Bruce, I remember telling you this five years ago when we talked about starting this podcast and we were connecting on how much we both listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. Somewhere about 10 years ago, podcasts completely replaced music in my life. So to the point that I'm in the car, you know, you guys know I had a business couple hour drive away for a number of years. I was on the highway back and forth several days a week, podcasts or phone calls the entire way. I go to the gym, I put the headphones on, I'm listening to podcasts, sports a lot, you know, sports talk show type stuff. And it just completely replaced listening to music. I can't remember the last time other than if we have people over, having a dinner party or having a party. I can't remember the last time I put music on in my house to listen to. It's an incredibly rare experience for me. To the <laughs> point that one of my New Year's resolutions this year, we never actually did a resolution pod, yeah. was to remind myself to listen to more music. Because I'm down to the only time I listen to music is in the car if I'm kind of between pods driving so I don't want to be flipping through my phone like looking for the next one type thing trying to decide what to listen to. I'm actually <laughs> actively driving and I'll throw the radio on. That's pretty much it. I, I lead an almost musicless life at this point. <laughs> Great topic, Bruce. Yeah, Great topic. <laughs> How's that for an answer? Extreme opposite end of the spectrum from Bruce. <laughs> the funny thing is my next thing that I was going to throw to you guys was do you search for or care about new music? My answer to that is, yes, I do search for it and I do care. That's part of the reason why I listen to radio. Yeah, to hear new stuff. Yeah. To hear new stuff and to try to stay on top of that. My kids are a fantastic way to stay connected to that a little bit. We played this game at Christmas time. So it was on our like Alexa or whatever, Google speak or something. You know, we're all sitting around, we should do something. And it's it's kind of a neat game. It's this, It's this game where a line of a song comes on or a little bit of a song and then you have to guess what it is. Yeah. And it was just so cool and so mind-numbing how the decades showed with us. So 70s, 80s, 90s, Marnie and I knew every single one of them. And then once we got to the 2000s, Paige was like bulletproof. 
it was insane. And I didn't have a hot clue about any yeah. of those. And so I feel like they introduced me to lots of their music, but I don't think that I'm picking up one tenth of, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're not <laughs> of, of what they're, of what they're throwing at me. So I don't know, George, you listen to music with your kids, but does any of that really sink in? Like when they're not around, do you think, Oh, I should listen to Dua Lipa right now or. No, that's a really good question. Cause I, the, the counter to that is I think I'm influencing the kids a lot more. So I like their new music because obviously on any platform, there'll be a number one hits, right? Like, classic top 40 pop that we grew up with, like the New Year's Eve top 100 songs, right? Remember mm -hmm. how big that was for us? So, yeah. you know, currently right now, there's a song called Heat Waves by Glass Animals. That's a, a really cool song. And, uh, you know, my daughter introduced it to me. And uh, I like a lot of her music. She's got really, really good taste. And like Paige, it's weird how good they can remember music relative to when I was young. Like, I think they just like have a better memory for that kind of stuff, partly because they consume so many different varieties, whereas ours were, <laughs> the variety was so much less, I, I feel, when we were growing up versus there's just like 10,000 people that they can, can listen yeah. to. But the coolest thing that's happening, you know, we watched the Elton John movie, Rocket Man. Oh yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, Rocket Man. The kids are just loving that old music. So some of my favorite music right now happens to be really old music because the kids love Stairway to Heaven. They love Bohemian Rhapsody or, you know, all the Elton John songs because they get to watch the movies with me. We really like the music because it's awesome music. And now they're listening to it. So sometimes the kids will be like, oh, dad, can you put on, you know, ballerina, little ballerina by, you know, Elton John. <laughs> Here's the one the secret weapon got George on. But I think we all kind of got this one. And so I feel that in a cool way, I'm influencing them almost more than they're influencing me. A couple things on that. Murphy and I did this little album switch for a little while where we each gave each other an album to listen to, a CD. And we vowed, like we swore to each other, we'd listen to it three full times and then did a little back and forth on it. <laughs> yeah. The music that he gave me was some pretty heavy-duty hip-hop stuff. So Juice World, J. Cole, these are his guys, and this is, mm -hmm. it's, that's pretty heavy stuff. And mm -hmm. I threw back at him, I gave him Counting Crows, August and Everything After. I gave him Black oh. Crows, Shake Your Moneymaker. Oh, great. And it was such a fun time, and we had done this, and then we were sitting out ice fishing last winter, and we just started going back and forth. And he said, I think you like Counting Crows, because I know we both kind of like this, not super polished, you know, sort of singer-songwriter, or whatever you yeah. want to call it, coffeehouse vibe. And I said, you know what, J. Cole is an amazing storyteller. I don't love some of the language that's going on there but this guy <laughs> this guy can paint a picture right and so it was it was a pretty neat thing to to throw that back and forth the other thing though I, it's exactly what you said george the other trip with murph was we we're coming back from winnipeg and he subjected me to and this is it turned into a running joke in our family but five hours of juice world he was driving and he said if i'm driving we listen to my music like this is <laughs> and so i was like all right drink with me fucked up liver with some bad kidneys that's fair. And then after that, he still kept the music and switched it over. And we listened to Stevie Wonder Superstition. We listened right. to Foo Fighters. We listened to Great Big C. We listened to Queen. All of those things that you're talking about. And those are all on his playlist too and was just as comfortable with those. The breadth of music they listened to compared to when I was that age, I think because we were in a tunnel. You were Def Leppard 
you were a headbanger, you were sugar pop music, whatever it was, but it's, it's pretty cool. Well, Bruce, you and I had a conversation about this a, a while back. I don't think it was on a pod. I think we were just chatting about a pod that I had listened to where the guy who was a music historian was explaining how one of the big difference between our generation and your kids' generations is simply the fact that the entire music universe, like the catalog of available music, is exponentially larger. So when we were growing up listening to music, music in the 80s, and you had, you know, like those old school guys who knew music really well, and they came up through the 70s, like there was actually like a library of music where you could know almost every artist and, and every album and have listened to it, liked it, not cataloged it in your mind. And now that's just entirely not possible because there's like a million times more music available yeah. for consumption, right? So that coupled with the ability for young people to, you know, because everything is streamed and you listen to 20 seconds and decide whether you like it or not. And if you don't, it's just gone and you move on. And it's not like, hey, I bought this CD and I'm like skipping to the next track of the CD I bought. Like you might skip, you're going to skip to a completely different artist. You may never hear another note from that artist ever again <laughs> who you skipped off of. It completely changes the the way music is kind of embraced, right? So um, from a generation to generation standpoint, that has changed so much. It's, uh, it's, it's really kind of interesting. It's crazy. And do you remember yeah. that? Like, it's interesting how you say that because you bought a CD. Like, I remember going to whatever the store was. Buying Queen of a, Hearts. Well, Queen of, yeah, totally Queen of Hearts or, or even in Winnipeg yeah. and sort of buying a CD on spec. So mm -hmm. you're like, I like 5440. This is their new CD. I'm going to buy it. Yep. Or the guy there says, hey, you know what? Like, this is probably some good stuff like Blue Rodeo. Maybe you want yeah. to try that. And you're right, you get home and now you commit to that. I'm going to listen to this thing yeah. 10 times a well, And it was a big 20 investment. Bucks, 20 was bucks 20 was bucks. money. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was 20 bucks to find out if you liked a band's new album, like, <laughs> right? Or a new band that your friends had told you, yeah, these guys are really cool, you should buy this album. Yeah, it was 20 bucks. Bruce, yeah. do you remember, I remember going to HMV, I think it was here in Toronto, where you would go up on the second floor and they had the little listening booths in the back. Mm -hmm. You could put the headset on and you could listen to 15 seconds. You could pick the album and you could listen to 15 seconds off of each track to get a little <laughs> yeah. bit of a preview. Like they were trying to promote, oh, have a little listen, you know, flip the pages of the magazine a little bit before you buy it. Yeah. That was like probably the dying gasp before Napster came along and CDs started to go away. It's a long time ago. <laughs> and just crushed everybody. And I mean, that leads into albums. Part of it is you don't listen to albums now because George, you've got a streaming service. I do mm. too. So why do you listen to it? Like you got to really like a whole CD before you like it, <laughs> you know, before you dig into it. Well, and I think this, that's why this question is, I think, so interesting for me because I realized, well, I haven't consumed an album in decades, probably like, a, mm. like an entire album. And the interesting thing, the opposite side of what you're talking about is people don't appreciate the deep cuts of artists anymore because everybody is releasing singles. Uh, and I think uh, even uh, I saw a really interesting interview by Beyonce. She was actually talking about Kanye West and how he paints a very good story with his albums. And she was making the point is people don't understand that artists release music on what's going on in their life. And they're telling a story from front to end. 
and even one of our respective favorite bands, The Watchmen, in hearing some of their pods, they talk about how they put the music in order because it makes sense to them. Well, nobody listens start to finish anymore with any album. And I think people are probably missing out on a lot of great music because they get to literally pick and choose. They're taking grapes and they're throwing away everything else that doesn't <laughs> isn't a perfect round grape to them, right? Like they just don't give it a chance. And I think that part of it is sad. So I, I suspect that many of the albums that we're going to talk about will end up being really old because no one has consumed, at least for me, in at least 20 years. Yeah. So, so George, when you say 20 years since you consumed, are you saying it's 20 years since you actually bought an album, paid for and bought an album? Uh, at least. It's close to that long for me. Yeah, I would think so. Well, because now, I mean, you, you Bruce, you have Apple Music. I, I actually don't even have a Spotify account anymore. I got rid of my Spotify account because I was never using it. And I listened to Alex's Spotify account, which makes things more challenging because then I go on her Spotify and the recently played stuff is all of the stuff that I don't want to listen to. <laughs> you get fed her music. Yeah. Once in a while, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good song. I have no idea who it is. You know, it's all, you know, different generation of music listening. But yeah, actually buying an album on iTunes. I probably bought an album on iTunes, but that's 15 years ago anyway, before we before we started paying monthly for streaming. I was heavy into the dark web and Napster and all that stuff. Mm, yeah, you were. <laughs> I was swiping music for a long time, but honestly waiting for it to be realistic. Yeah. Because like, for a while it did seem like it was too expensive for what you were getting and all that. Maybe that wasn't true, but whatever. But once they figured out the world just like Netflix, when Apple Music came along, I was happy to spend that money and we've been spending that money every month since... Yeah. Apple Music started. So I'm not proud of all of those things, but that's where our life was at. In terms of listening to an album, though, last summer was a little bit of a renaissance for us. And so that Serlin Greaves actual album came out. So there are a couple of the guys from The Watchmen, and we got heavy into that and have listened to it a lot, a lot. Great right now, that's probably my favorite CD. We're going to talk about how you judge that. But if you look at what I've listened to the most over the last year and a half, that'll be it by a mile. Mm -hmm. And I got heavy into a Miley Cyrus CD as well, like the whole CD, and we listen to that tons. Angels like you can down with me. Yep. The other interesting one where we discover some new music and find it is a big deal around the fire pit at the lake is passing the phone around. And it's such a technology thing now. So we have Apple Music and we have a, like a wireless connection to the speakers. And so you just pass the phone from person to person and everybody's got to pick their favorite song or the song they're thinking of right then. And it's, it's a super fun game. And for yeah. years now, we've been playing that. So again, you don't listen to albums in that situation. You listen to songs. Yeah. You're right. I don't throw on yeah. Dark Side of the Moon and say, hey, everybody, we're going to listen to this. Oh, no, pit. there's a good album. <laughs> <laughs> So that, Bruce, that I'm going to have to take it back. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to take it back. You're right. I did buy that Serlin Greaves album in its entirety and have listened to it at least 20. I've listened to it two or three times a month for sure. And then I listened to the accompanying podcast. And then if we throw ourselves back to the last Watchmen concert on Apple Music, I ended up buying several entire Watchmen albums so that I could listen to them all again because I couldn't find the CDs anymore. <laughs> so I guess I've, I've caught myself in a lie. So George, when you say 20 years since you consumed, are you saying it's 20 years since you actually bought an album, paid for and bought an album? Uh, at least. 
I have listened to entire albums and bought them specifically. It was associated with an event. We're going to go see The Watchmen, so I bought several of the albums that I knew I have, I've purchased them already. I just wanted them on my phone. Yeah. But George, why did you buy them as opposed to just streaming them? Do you not have them available? I actually just physically wanted to buy that album to have it on my phone uh, and to forever have it. Here. So, uh, yeah, I actually have them on my phone. I love it. Old and curmudgeonly. <laughs> this, yeah. this is what I know. I'm going to pay the money. Yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay, I want to have it. I want to have it. I want to have it. Yeah. No, no, no. I want to yeah. know it's in my yeah. pocket if I need it. That's right. With that said, if you had to pick one, Ooh. your favorite genre, your favorite type of music, like what, what do you default to? Yeah, you go. For sure, if you looked at my history or my my CD catalog, my Apple Music history, it's 90s rock is probably my like kind of go-to. But I also try to make a real point of listening to lots of different stuff. And so I do listen to lots of country. I listen to top 40, you know, maybe not straight up hip hop stuff. I almost have a a chip on my shoulder against classic rock. And mm. I, I kind of like it, but I, I don't know to use a young person expression, it feels too basic to me, kind of, or I don't know what, like, don't get me wrong. You know, when Highway to Hell comes on, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna love that. Sweet child of yep. mine. I'm not, I'm not an animal like this. I, I love this stuff. And I listen to classic rock sometimes, but that's probably one of, I wouldn't say my least favorites, but it's, it's certainly not my go-to, which would be an easy one for people who are we're our age, but it, it's probably, probably 90s rock is where I end up. Yep. And Canadian 90s rock for sure. That's my, that's my stuff. Yep. Interesting. I got to go, I got to go opposite end of the dial from that. When you, when you threw out these questions, you know, last week, I had to spend a lot of time thinking through this. I think, you know, George, you're going to say the same thing that it took a long, a long time to kind of come to decisions on some of these categories because you listen to whatever you listen to when you're in the mood. You don't often think, oh, I'm going to listen to this because it's my favorite. You're just like, oh, I feel like listening to this right now. So you listen to it. But I would have to say, without a doubt, throw it to me, like, what is my go-to genre? It's old school hip hop. Nice. And even probably more classically defined as gangster rap. Right about now, NWA court is in full effect. Judge Dre resigning. Because it's funny, we were at a party before Christmas, and I was talking to one of Alex's friends, and she's like, you know, music was blaring, it was at her house, and I'm like, oh, those are good tunes. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a real old school hip hop girl. And I'm like, thinking in my head, I'm like, yeah, hip hop from like the early 2000s is not old school. (laughs) So it's interesting how everybody defines things, you know, we, we use these labels. I'm pretty sure when you say classic rock, classic rock is like 70s rock. Classic rock is like the Eagles. Like CCR Eagles, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I may be wrong, Bruce. You're the musicologist on this on this podcast, but when you t- say yeah, the you're thinking rock, LA, I you're think much LA older. Yeah, I'm yeah. probably thinking LA. Okay, what I'm talking about. So I, I do listen to. So if I listen to classic rock radio, like Shea FM, that they say we're classic rock radio, yeah, and that's that's ACDC, that's Guns N' Roses, that's even Def Leppard. Though those kind of bands right, right? Yeah, i know yeah. what, i know what you're talking about and Eagle, eagles will show up on there and uh, like the marshall like that Tucker sounds to me that sounds like guys. a rock station like they're playing rock from a lot of different eras in there yeah but all of it's still 30 years old 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So maybe, maybe the definition of classic is just old and now nineties rock, (laughs) you know, is 30 years old. Nineties rock is classic rocks or or that's what I'm talking about anyways, is, is that kind of stuff. And not that I don't like say like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, were they shocked when you were a gangster rap person? When you, when you knew the best of the best? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I got into that music. I got very into basketball culture, late high school, early university, I got very into sort of that scene, but the age you are when you imprint some things stick with you. And I think for me, that was just like the right time. So when I'm in the mood, like when I want to blast something in my car, it's going to come out probably gangster rap. <laughs> Windows up now. <laughs> Georgie, yeah. startling revelations. What, what do you got for us? You don't know, Les and I... F- fall in the same category this way and I knew that we would but what's more interesting is why Les and I are on the same so if people who don't know what we look like we're 50 year old white dudes with you know gray beards (laughs) and why the hell do we love NWA and Public Enemy right like NWA Straight Outta Compton is such a spectacular album yeah it's in at least in my top five rap for sure I don't know if it's in my top five of all time Uh, For all the same reasons, if the time that it came out when you're sort of like a late teenager, early into your 20s, and the people that I hung out with, the people that I played basketball with, some, you know, love to the, to Wayne, Freddie, and Donovan, who sort of introduced me to this, what took me by surprise when we were in high school and we were listening to all the stuff that Bruce mentioned, I mean, it was ACDC, the Scorpions, Van Halen, Bon Jovi, White Snake Kiss, right? Like it, that was all we rock. ever knew. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then occasionally somebody, like when I finally moved to Winnipeg, or somebody that was a little bit alternate, they'd be like, "Oh, you should listen to Depeche Mode, and Flock of Seagulls, and you know maybe Aerosmith, and you know Red Hot Chili Peppers got in." And all that stuff was really good. But at the end of the day, we had such a small cut of music that I w- I felt that I was exposed to in Thompson, Manitoba. Yes, I and would agree. And then this, yeah. and then this ridiculously angry music came out that had such a ridiculous beat. They were talking about something that of course we could never associate with. Like a lot of it was anger, but the storytelling behind it was so good. And then just the, you know, you flash forward decades of how important hip hop culture has just basically permeated everything. But back then it it didn't have the same, Mm tentacles into all aspects of society, including, you know, most recently the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. There's all these TikTok videos of people our age watching the halftime show with their kids and they're all laughing at them because they're all dancing to <laughs> all those old artists. So I would say that that was imprinted on me quite heavily for all the reasons that Les said. And just, it was so different from anything that I had listened to. Just the rhythm and the beat and the strength and the words I was just blown away by it. Early 90s hip-hop, gangster, rap, which doesn't make any sense why that would be so important to me. Mm-hmm. That's my go-to. And it's interesting because my kids have picked up on that and they all make playlists. And we're, I'm taking him to soccer and he'll put on 90s hip-hop. I mean, he made a playlist for me. And I'm all like, where the hell did you find this music? He's all, oh, Dad, I know that you like this music. I made a playlist so that we can like drive to soccer and back. <laughs> I hope he doesn't play you know, Onyx, you know, (laughs) back the fuck up, back the fuck up, like, you know, crazy, angry music. But yeah, I would have to say that. But I I think 
why is that music important to you? Like, why do you resonate with that music is, is the interesting question. If you could print out that playlist, that would be a neat thing to use for a cover art, actually, what Seb put together for you for your 90s <laughs> hip-hop. Freddie, Wayne, Donovan had a big impact. You got into that kind of music. Around that time, I was working at CHTM, and it's funny that the government may have brainwashed me because CanCon, you had to play mm. a certain amount of Canadian artists and Canadian yep. rockers were a big part of that. And so I listened to that music all of the time. And that is 100% my go-to stuff. So did the government brainwash me in some small respect? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny, George, you, you talk about growing up in a small town in the 80s where really all we had was CHTM to listen to and then calling in and requesting a song and then sitting with your you know tape recorder, like trying to tape yeah. it off the radio when it played <laughs> sure. so that you, you, you actually had, you know, a copy of that song on cassette. I remember when I moved to Winnipeg and not that Winnipeg is a huge thriving metropolis, but just moving from Thompson to a larger city and all of a sudden realizing yeah, like groups of kids at this high school all listen to very different music. And it really defines that group of people. And just having my eyes opened to, oh, wow, yeah, there's a lot of shit that you don't hear on the radio in Thompson. <laughs> yeah, well, and and that spilled over. Do you remember? I think I sent you a picture a few years ago, a tape for Bruce. You made a cassette for me. And and I remember it was not like it was sometime in that time when you lived in yeah. Winnipeg in high school. And it was yeah. a bunch of songs I had never heard before, like Green Onions. and Oh, <laughs> fuck, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that tape. It, it was awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And I listened yeah. to it at the lake and then it broke. Like it was just too oh. old. The, the actual tape broke, but I still have the cassette. It's sitting in my shed out there. And, and I remember yeah. it was that was a spillover from you because it was a bunch of stuff I had never heard before either, right? And yeah. you were kind of like the cool guy that had moved to the big city and you were yeah, there you you go, know, right? dropped, well, dropped it back to us. It yeah, I mean, it, you know, we were the... I don't know if we're the original. I don't know if that's actually a correct thing to say. Somebody will blow me up for saying this on the spot, but... I think we were like the original generation where alternative music became important because there was a period of time there in the 80s, like the whole term of alt music was, mm. it was cool to listen to stuff that wasn't on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. So you had to find bands. Like I remember first time Bacon, Jeff Bacon, who we talked about on the last pod, I remember Bacon saying, oh, I got this tape. My sister gave me this tape of this really cool band from Ireland called U2. And it was, it was U2 war probably was the album and going like oh fuck this is really this sounds really cool man like <laughs> mm -hmm. the first time i heard sunday bloody sunday you know going like oh right and i was like holy shit just listen to it like over and over and over and it was like then it became really cool to find stuff that other people didn't know about because that made you kind of cool and unique again something you cannot do like kids today can't do because with streaming Go ahead, Bruce. You're going to tell me they can? Like <laughs> I think I think they can. The the interesting thing to me on this, it's kind of the same, but kind of not, is you discover artists on TikTok now. And there's artists mm. that you'll never hear on the radio. And Murphy plays me music all well, the time. Yeah, like I, but I listen listens, to the radio. But you don't need the radio anymore. No, but you're still discovering right? <laughs> people outside of mainstream media. So it's it's not like yeah, Apple, sure, sure. Apple Music Hits 1 didn't feed yeah. you this. I found it because I'm in this little group of people that listen to yeah. this you know and I mean? it can like, still be it can still be cool and unique and yours and define your clique, mm -hmm. you know, community of people listening like, to. Yeah. Like you did, somebody didn't hand you a cassette, but they sent you a link to this. Yeah. The to this thing, the the funny one on YouTube. That's one of my like eye openers that we were going to talk yeah. about it later. Like when someone introduced you to music, I didn't get a cassette. I went to watch Rattle and Hum the movie. The movie. 
And I didn't of know the, of the U.S. tour. Yeah. I had I had come out of Thompson. It was my first or second year of uni, and some people on our floor said, "Hey, we're going to this movie." I had no idea what it was, and I I remember <laughs> like watching for an hour and a half, going, "These guys are yeah. fucking unreal!" Like, yeah, that was absolutely. Cool, that unreal. was actually a pretty cool movie. A lot of it black was, and yeah, white. Yeah, they yeah, go sing with that uh, the choir um, with the gospel in, choir in New in Orleans, Memphis yeah. or New Orleans, yeah, Memphis. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's actually that's on my very close to my top five albums of all yeah. time but it, it's it's oh. a question mark yeah. in our list because it's kind of a greatest hits wow when you said when you said greatest hits couldn't be on albums i was going to object i was gonna say what the hell that seems like a totally made up rule like why can't you have greatest hits but anyway <laughs> i stuck to the rules <laughs> well you, you know what we're kind of there now i feel like we faded into yeah. it that's where i wanted to go so do you want to do top top three top five of your albums but you mentioned it before we started. I want you to give the precursor list. How do we decide? You're going to do yours first. We'll, we'll bully yeah. you a little bit. What was your criteria? It was hard. I thought about this for a long time because I thought, you know, I can say that like for sure my go-to genre is old school hip hop, but I also went through a lot of different listening phases in my life. There was a time where 11th grade all I had on my Sony Walkman was either The Who or <laughs> R.E.M., a little yeah. five-song album by R.E.M. called Chronic Town that I listened to like over and over and over in like 1986. There was a summer where I listened to nothing but The Doors. The Doors' L.A. Woman on repeat over and over and over. The Doors' uh, Greatest Hits is, is one of my all-time favorite albums, right? So... To think back and think, okay, like when you say, what are your five all-time favorite albums? I had to kind of think through the criteria that I would use to, to choose this. I went with, what are the albums that I think that at one time or another in my life, I listened to over and over and over and over, and that I can still, on a whim grab that album and say, okay, I want to listen to this and throw it in. And I want to listen to the whole thing to the end and resonate with every single song, which makes it a great album. Mm -hmm. But I, I would say that, you know, a CD with 10 songs on it, whether it's an album or greatest hits, it's still those 10 songs in a row. Like mm -hmm. there's some, there's some great compilation albums out there, right? Yeah. Like changes yeah. one Bowie is actually, a, I didn't even know this at first changes one Bowie is actually a compilation album of David Bowie's early work, right? I would have thought that I thought it was an album, yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's like a collection of great songs in an order. You remember them in that order. As the song fades out, you're already hearing the intro music to the next, the next song, song, right? Maybe that's the criteria. I love that. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily all stuff that I would listen to today, but if it went on, I would say, yep, I know this. I love this. And I know every single track and I can kind of remember to a time in my life when it was really important to me. Yeah. Okay. And this was really hard to do. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot of criteria, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was really hard to do. Well, George, what did you, well, how did you make the decision? How did you make your list? So my criteria was allow what you said, but also if you put it on right now, I would love to listen to it. So for mm. me, it had to have longevity to it. Yes. So, the, of course, we've all gone through phases of music, and I'm glad that you brought up David Bowie because you also went through a very David Bowie fan, mm -hmm. and one of my favorite concert yeah. uh, we stories went involves concert. you yeah. is that you were in Winnipeg, and you came back for a summer, 
And I knew nothing about David Bowie, really, because we were in Thompson, Manitoba. And you're yep. like, oh, this guy's like amazing. He's got this alter ego. And he's, <laughs> yeah. he's so big. And you gotta, we really got to go see him. So I stuffed the ballot at Southwood Mall. <laughs> yeah, where yeah, that's right. They, you won those tickets. Where I cheated. <laughs> and I was the first 25 people that they put, pulled the name out of the draw. And I got tickets. And then yeah. we went to see David Bowie. And yeah. I was blown away by this guy, and I had literally never listened to a song. Yeah, he was awesome. So I wanted to get I, that I, was I the Glass to, Spider we, tour. The Glass Spider tour. Do you remember Georgia who Satellites. opened for David Bowie? Duran Duran and Georgia Satellites. Duran Duran. We saw oh, Duran Duran, dude, in concert. Yeah, Duran Duran and the Georgia Satellites. Here's your fun fact: Duran Duran Rio is 40 years old. Yep. Came out the same year as Thriller. Yep. I'll tell you, can I go off topic here, Bruce, or do you want me to keep going? No, no, no. Okay. I'll tell you, one of the things that over the pandemic I got into doing, because we were watching, consuming so much like Netflix and stuff and being bored, I watched a shit ton of music documentaries. Mm, I love music documentaries. I Mm. really do. They are so good. And there's some fantastic ones. One of the really good ones is the Duran Duran one. Because you realize there's so many bands that you liked and you liked them for a period of time or you remember them for a period of time and you don't realize that their entire arc of their career, their longevity was so incredible. And to to go through a documentary on them and see like the really early stuff and then when they become huge and then realize, oh, after I kind of moved on and was listening to other stuff, they kept putting out music that was really, really good and important for like a long <laughs> period of time. The Duran Duran one is excellent. It's really good. The other one that's fantastic, George, that you should get your kids to watch, you guys would both love it, that I couldn't believe it when I watched it, was the one on the Bee Gees. I've heard about it. I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be phenomenal. They are so much more important to band musically than I ever remembered, because they were a little before us, Yeah. yeah. right? They were like, you think of, oh, the Bee Gees, oh, disco, 70s, but the, how big a band they were and how important they were musically is really, was really incredible. All right. A must watch. The other little one like that to me that I still think is the Rolling Stones were a little bit before us. Oh, totally. I'm a fan, but I'm not, people not that much older than us, the Rolling Stones are it like mm-hmm. the greatest and and deke and i actually went to the rolling stones in 3d at imax uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like in the 90s or something right and it was yeah totally awesome like they are they're it but but i kind of don't quite get really who they are how impactful yeah. they are to some people they're a little bit too young for us so sorry george but they are awesome so back to less about how he chose and I know we're going to regret that we've missed out, and I bet you we'll respectively say albums oh, yeah. that we could be on our... But but for me, it had to be... I could listen to it right now and love it just as much, and it made no difference that I was super into it 10 years ago or 40 years ago. Yeah. I, I think my... That was my big criteria. Good. I like that too, George. I think that's... I didn't think about it as much as you guys did, but I think that was my criteria was at one point in my life, it was super important but it still has to be good. So so like Randy yeah. Travis, Old 8 by 10, was an album I listened to a bazillion times, but now when I listen to it, it doesn't hold up quite for me anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, All right, so that well, one's not on my list. Let's do the top okay. album. Let's do it. What do so, you got? Let's do it. 
all top five all-time albums in no particular order. I did Ooh. not do them one through five. I couldn't do it that way. It was taking me too long to decide. Okay, so in no particular order. This was really hard to pare this list down. Okay, so I have two honorable mentions to begin with. Okay, I've, I've got <laughs> I've got four honorable mentions. If we get to do that, <laughs> okay. nice workaround. I have two, and I'm going to say you guys are going to laugh at how weirdly diverse this mix of albums is, and I bet you'll be quite surprised by a few of them. First honorable mention. Tragically hip up to here. Yes. Bruce, I threw that a little Canadian content for you there. A little Canadian content for you. Appreciate that. Second honorable mention. Ah, it's hard for me to, which one am I going to call honorable mention? Not put in my top five. <laughs> Still <sighs> deciding. Still deciding. I'm going to go. My second honorable mention is U2 Joshua Tree. Mm. U2 was like a super important band like early like when i was like 14 15 then they became the biggest band in the world then they became way too big and it's like yeah. like the stones like you guys should retire like years ago. and now young people hate them because they force their music onto their <laughs> ipods and they bought them anyway. and they're kind of like you know whatever they're just so not cool anymore but when you two joshua tree came out i remember me jeff bacon mark Thompson, brad white in Mark Frompson's car, he had gone to whatever the record store in Winnipeg was in those days. I think it might have been pre-HMP. We were in the 11th grade, and he had bought the tape the very first day it came out, and he picked us up. You know, we all ditched class, and we got in his car, and we drove around listening to that album because we were like huge U2 fans, you know, from their from their early stuff. There's like they had this big album, and then that album is what kind of put them over the top and made them a huge radio band. I can still remember that 15 years old riding around in his car listening to, oh, this is so cool, U2 out. We got the first day it came out like that. It kind of takes me back to that like moment in time. This is funny because cool. I have an almost yeah. similar memory, but it was Colin Crowley. Mark Skulls, uh, Corey Redekop, those guys, same thing. Jump, jump me in their car, like jump in the car and we would drive same around album? at night listening to the same album that, and then followed up by Gowan. That was, that was the next. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's they had terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're almost the same. <laughs> but it's funny That's you say awesome. that because I don't know, I'm like probably not the hugest fan of that CD. I mean, it's awesome and it's great, but that's my memory of that was driving yeah. around with those guys. Yeah, cruising around Thompson. Yeah. And it would have been the same year or similar, right? Yeah, it was like every song on that album that I could sing from heart if it if it comes on, you know, as yeah. as with the other songs on some. Okay, yeah. so here's my, so those are my two honorable mentions. Here's my top five list in no particular order. Oasis, what's the story, Morning Glory? How many special people change? How many lives are living strange? Where were you while we were getting high? Awesome. Unbelievable album. And I still, actually, last year, during the pandemic, I went through a phase where I listened to that album, like, every day for about two weeks. I just, I heard it, and I was like, oh, fuck, I love this album. And I just, like, kept listening to it, like, over and over and over. Um, a little re-kick. Remi I, it reminds me of exactly, like, a period of time in my life. Okay. Next. Led Zeppelin 2. Wow, nice. I yeah. went through a huge Led Zeppelin phase. <laughs> yeah. You know, got to throw some some okay. proper props out to Led Pro Zeppelin. Producer Mike bought me the Led Zeppelin box set when it finally came out, when they oh, had that whole, so the good. whole, the ultimate collection, and it came in this big box, like all the CDs in a showy book and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Too, too good. 
Next, George called it NWA straight out of Compton. Wow. There hasn't been a day in the last 20 years that that CD has not been in the CD rack in my car, which I never change. And here's where the secret weapon caught less too. I, because I realized at one point, I literally, I don't own anything that can play a CD anymore. <laughs> I had the same five CDs in my car for the last, for the last three years. I never I'm changed not them. Sure, I'm not sure if that's happy or sad, but good for you. Good yeah. commitment. I don't even you're, know if I remember. I, I don't even know if it works like to get them in and out of the changer anymore. NWA straight out of Compton, without a doubt, one of my top five all time. Then I'm going to go... Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. Absolutely. Mm. Still remember. So good. Still remember the first time I heard the opening riff. Sweet child of mine. Walking into scandals and going, what the hell is this? <laughs> and hearing that opening riff. And I mean, if that's an album. If you can't rock out to that album, uh, you can't rock out. You have ice in your veins. You got ice in your veins. Last, put it up. Prince Purple Rain. Uh, brilliant. Brilliant. Now, I will say Prince Greatest Hits is in my CD changer always. That was the one I was going to fight hardest for in terms of a Greatest Hits compilation album. There's so many great Prince songs that aren't on Purple Rain. Like some of my favorite songs by Prince aren't on Purple Rain. For sure. But if I had to choose an album, first album I ever bought, First, like, proper album I ever bought. With me? Yeah, with Bruce. Took the album home, put it on my dad's turntable, recorded it onto a cassette. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? Dad was making the cassette. Made a cassette for Bruce. <laughs> 100%. Well, it's funny because it was that and yeah. Aussie Bark at the Moon, and you scammed me because you kept Purple yeah. Rain and I got Bark at the Moon, which I still stands up as a very good album. That's a fantastic yes. album. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. those were yeah. two, for two young people, those were two good choices by us. But, right. But I still think, <laughs> I still think you lucked out. <laughs> and goes to, goes to the musical diversity that we had even as young kids. Yeah, no kidding. We, we walked in and bought Ozzy and Prince. <laughs> I think people who don't know Purple Rain and um, Prince He's so good. Like he's he's like he's a freak. He's a prodigy. He's almost a savant in music. The number of musical instruments he plays, the the amount of music he's actually written for other people is ridiculous. And um, when Les and I went uh, to a football game, we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we went to a video montage of people, and it ended with Prince doing his induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he is for sure top five best guitarist of all time. Like no, he might be number one, is, yeah. A lot of guys call well, him Well, it would be one. like Eric Captain slash... Yeah. Maybe the guy from the White Stripes, uh, Bruce Springsteen. I don't know whoever your favorite guitarist mm-hmm. is, but he, but for sure, for sure. <laughs> EVH, Eddie Van Halen. Come on. Mm-hmm. Eddie Van Halen would be the number one. You're right. Eddie Van Halen would be number Maybe. one. Maybe. I don't know. In my books. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Anyways, but he is. So 
I'm just saying that not only is This is why that, men drink in bars yeah. no, and no. watch sports <laughs> argue over things that are absolutely to, – to say with 100% certainty answer a question that can't be answered with certainty, <laughs> that has no objective measure. <laughs> and say, fuck you, you're wrong. I am yeah. right. <laughs> I love it. So for the same reason is when it's on the radio, I listen to it always. Start. I never turn off the song. I still own that album. I love listening to it. The movie associated is off the dial good. Mm-hmm. And he's just so, like, he's such a musical guy and so good that I'm just, I'm blown away by the artist, his story, his music ship, and the movie associated with it. Like, it isn't just an album. It's like everything around that album is so good. So that's why that is for sure my top album of all time. I, I agree. Guns N' Roses. Before you go to Guns N' Roses, I got two fun facts on that. Purple Rain is one of Murph's favorite songs, and he plays it all the time. When we drive together, he generally runs the tunes, yeah. which I think is just awesome that he appreciates it that much. We went and saw Celine Dion in Vegas, and she closed her show with Purple Rain. Yeah, that's cool. And Did it she was do a decent rendition? Stunning. She doesn't write any of her own yeah. songs. I'm not a Celine fan, but... Anyone who can do homage to that song properly gets some props on my book. Yeah. You know what? I wasn't a big fan either. Marnie wanted to go, and Celine Dion is like, you don't get to be that big in the world by being yeah. a slout. Yeah, no, for sure. She's obviously a great singer. And she did a super artist, good job of it. We sort of cut you off. So Appetite for Destruction's in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Just because it was that whole L.A. scene. We have two the same already in our top five? Yeah, yeah, we have two of the same in our top five, yeah. What are the chances so, of that? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's well, huge. I shouldn't have texted you that picture of the notes that I made before this call. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only reason why I wanted to bring up N.W.A. is it's the influence in it, but I actually think there's way better albums. For example, the Public Enemy original, uh, the one, what's the one that has the police in the sights? Oh yeah, yeah. Is, um, yeah, yeah. I think is a better album. I think so good you can't even remember the name of it. Anyways, it, it what what I'm saying is that's a super influential album. But I think Jay Z is way better. I think Notorious B.I.G. is way better. Kendrick Lamar's lyrically is way better than N.W.A. But from the influential point of view, that's a very important album. So it gets off my top. Five, because I think there's way better rap artists than that one. But influentially, it's a, it's a big deal. So I'm going to throw Bob Marley legend. Oh, so I got a, into yeah. a really big Bob Marley phase. Everyone's had a big Bob Marley phase at one time or another in their life. Yeah, for sure. There is nobody on earth yeah. that doesn't like Prince or Bob Marley. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that Prince is as universally recognized as Bob Marley. Well, I disagree. Uh, I disagree. I doubt you can meet anybody that doesn't like a Prince song or several Bob Marley songs. Bob Marley, I think, is in a category of his own from that standpoint. The first time I did a big backpacking trip, I realized that you can go anywhere in the world and you will find a bar, a beach club somewhere playing Bob Marley. And it's just like it's the universal music of chilling out, smoking weed, yeah. party yeah. times, like everybody just be happy. Yeah. Um, he kind of, he almost owns that universally. And that's the reason I think he just permeates every culture every language everybody loves bob marley and you're right i mean we can't pick greatest hits but bob marley's greatest hits is always near me i I just think it's an unbelievable album 
I think this one might surprise you. Amy Winehouse, Back in Black, or oh, Back to Black. That's such a it's, good album, man. She is, is so... She is so good. Yeah. And that album is so fucking raw. Like, including I'm Not Going to Rehab. Like, that song <laughs> is so underappreciated of mm-hmm. what a fuck you song is and what she's going through. Mm-hmm. And she's just lost talent. I, I don't know why I love this album uh, so much, but I, I thought about it long and hard. And yeah, I, 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 I listened to that. And it, the, the, that album is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw in something controversial on purpose. <laughs> nice. Um, thriller. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I, Thriller is so big for me, well, first of all, he was one of the biggest music stars of all time. And there's lots of stuff that has since come out that has made that persona grotesque. But for me, and this has become a big issue in talking to people, is the ability to separate what he contributed to what we've discovered afterwards. And it's a very hard topic for me to reconcile. Most recently, Bill Cosby, right? That's a much easier thing to reconcile. But since we're talking about music, I'm bringing in Thriller. It was the first album I ever bought. I walked in 1982 or three to the Queen of Hearts. Mm -hmm. I, I went and got it. When any of those songs still come on, I get brought back to when I was 12 or 13 years old. Mm -hmm. The album start to finish is off the hook. Good. It is probably still the best-selling album of all time. I I haven't checked the stats, but for a very long time it was. And it really propelled him to superstardom. And it was just a very, it was basically the first time in my life where I started to consume music. Mm -hmm. I'm 12 years old. I save money. I go buy this album. And, uh, you know, if you think about what's associated with that, including the actual thong, including the actual thong. But when you watch Thriller, that video, it holds up 40 years later. Yeah, It's yeah. so good. I mean, if somebody does one of the dance moves from Thriller, you can literally identify that's from Thriller. That's how influential yeah, still that is. Bruce, that might have been that might have been our number three album after Purple Rain and I bet it was. Bark of the Moon. I bet it was. Yeah. I remember taping that album onto a cassette tape too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. maybe we both taped it because I remember yeah. rolling that cassette over and over in our living room when I had to do dishes and clean up yeah. at our house because we had a schedule that was blasting upstairs at our place because I owned upstairs for a little while. Yeah. And here's an honorable mention since you got to, I don't know if I've, 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 I've depleted my top five, but the chronic by Dr. Dre when he left NWA mm-hmm. and Ice Cube left and they went, mm-hmm. the chronic, da 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 da, it's the one and the like that whole, if you, that, that Dr. Dre is so good. It's interesting. You just rattled off a bunch of, uh, a bunch of those sort of like those old school hip hop albums. And I, I went with that genre, but I had trouble within that genre. There's so much music that yeah. I love, yeah. but I had trouble choosing albums that I really love. Right. The Chronic was close because I was like, I got to have some old school hip hop in this list. It's crazy that if I, if I don't. Chronic was probably a close second to, for me, but NWA Straight Outta Compton is still my go-to. No, that Public Enemy mm-hmm. album you're talking about, George, is the one with the, the scope on the front, I think is... Uh, the Enemy Strikes Black. Apocalypse 91, yeah. Enemy Strikes yeah. Black. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a sick, sick album. Oh, yeah. 
Public yeah. enemies, yeah, fucking legends. Public enemies too. on him, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I I probably went over five, but I wanted to throw a couple of honorable mentions in there. So I think that would be my top five with a couple of overlaps with less. Yeah, we had two out of five the same. That's impressive. Yeah. All right, Brewster. I like that. You're the music guy. Enya, you got you got an Enya in there. Those ones were surprising to me. I don't have any Enya in there, which is. <laughs> A bit of a shocker. But just before I start, it's what you said, Les, and I'd like to do top three artists because almost none of my top artists are in my top albums. Yeah. I said to Murph on the way home today, it's a little bit like a body of work. Like the Watchmen for me are hard to choose a favorite album because I just see the whole thing as one album. Yeah. I go to the concert and I don't think, oh, that came off the first album or the second or the third. I just know them all so well. And that's a little bit like you have artists like that too, right? Where it yeah, no, for sure. It just blurs because they're just all your favorites and you just love them, right? Like Guns N' Roses is easy because Appetite for Destruction is such the quintessential Guns N' Roses sound. Totally. Right? Yeah. Oasis, again, shorter, career, tighter, you know, they have a couple good albums, but really that What's the Story of Morning Glory is just like, it's that sound like encapsulated. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't put them in my favorite artists of all time because they don't have a big enough library outside of those albums but those albums as a beautiful piece of work hold up so well yeah Yeah. how many honorable mentions can i do i've got lots (laughs) it's your pod bruce you can do it as much as you want the honorable mentions start with 5150 van halen nice we can do the debate about david lee roth and sammy hagar i'm a sammy hagar guy 100%. Ah, they're both good they're both good and had great music on both sides of that trade which is really rare Right. I don't know if, how many other ones you could pick. Yeah. Stuff. So love OU812 as well, but 5150 probably. You guys might want this one higher on the list. No sleep till. License to Ill. Oh, yeah. Beastie, Beastie, Beastie Boys. Boys. Ah, that's yeah. right. That's a good one. That was in my cloud set when I was narrowing down to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Black Crow Shake Your Moneymaker is a whopper for me. And- it was a big one when Marnie and I were first getting together, but it's also, I listen to it now. Our jam band plays some of those songs once in a while. Yeah. And it's, it's just, to me, to me, it's bulletproof. The old black rum's got a hold of me Like a dog wrapped around my leg And the old black Great Big C Up. Oh, yeah. I thought, I love this CD. I, listen, I still listen to it lots. And then when I looked through the set list today, I just thought, man, for me anyways, there isn't a bad one on there. McLaren Furnace Room, Watchmen, only because that's whatever. I don't have to talk too much more about that. There's, yeah, they're yeah. my guys, and that was the first one, and still like that I, was the original. Yeah, yeah. and that was a good one. And that one, like I sort of said, the Watchmen to me are a body of music, but yeah. that that one specifically, when one song ends, less like you said, I know exactly how the next What's one's going to start. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. I, like I can I can sing that. Bare Naked Ladies, Gordon. Oh, the, the first bare naked ladies is Ooh, that is a good one. It's huge. See, I'm a bare naked ladies uh, yellow demo tape guy. Love yellow demo tape. At one point in time, like I I played that thing to death. <laughs> like I've actually out. got a great. It's too long for this pod, but I've got a great bare naked ladies story. I'll tell you something. Ooh, let's yeah, let's go back to it. I actually watched a bare naked ladies concert from 2011 or something over Christmas. Oh, yeah. Sort of like what you were seeing the documentaries, and. Yeah. Those guys are good, man. Like when they oh, were yeah. all together. Musically fantastic. And just so showman, tight. showman yeah. beyond belief. Yeah. And what's his name? Just had an incredible voice. Stephen Page. Yeah. Okay. I think I have three left. I hope I have three left anyways. Rattle and Hum. You two, I kind of previewed that before. I don't know if that's the greatest hits or not. It's a concert album because it's all re- was recorded live. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's an album. 
It came out as an album. Totally. And it had yeah. new music on it. August and Everything After, Counting Crows. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. What salted that away for me is we saw them in Winnipeg at the Burt. He is magnetic. <laughs> I actually saw the Black Crows in Winnipeg at the convention center one time. <laughs> Maybe we were there together because I saw them Could there. Be. Early 90s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not the best venue to see a band. <laughs> no, terrible. <laughs> they were a little bit past their story arc at that point. Oh, they were. I remember that. Yeah. And they were selling like a bunch of drug paraphernalia out with their merch. Like you could buy <laughs> yeah. rolling papers and yeah, pipes yeah. and all kinds of stuff. It, yeah. was, it was wild. And my number one, my number one album is Graceland to Paul Simon. Oh, there you go. Very musical. Yeah. For a guy like you, that doesn't surprise me at all. Legend, legendary music on there. Part of the reason it's uh, in my heart is I got my mom to stop on the way to grade 12 grad to buy it from Queen of Hearts. It was it was that important to me. Wow. Like We were in the car, we were going to grad, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to stop. Graceland, Graceland, Memphis, Tennessee, I'm going to Graceland. Oh, that's a good list, Chris. No, it's a good list because it also brings me back to periods in my time. So I used, I would say that at that period in my time, though a lot of those albums would have been top because I was big into Bare Naked Ladies for a long time. In fact, one of my favorite re- uh, remakes of all time is by Bare Naked Ladies, Love in a Dangerous Time. I mean, that remake yeah. by them is the best remake of that song ever. And in med school, Counting Crows was a big, big deal. Mister. So that yeah. that was a, I mean, that was obviously a big part of my life. Like I got into med school and Crowned Crows were super huge. So that, yeah, that's a good one. I love that album. I love that album. I, I always think like in my mind, Counting Crows is was very like sort of like generic middle of the road music that never, it's, it's, it's good. Like I just never really connected to it that much. I listened to Bill Simmons, who Bruce, you know, I listen to, yeah. consume a lot of his stuff, yeah. big sports guy, but he does a lot of pop culture stuff too. He had the lead singer of Counting Crows on his podcast last a- summer. A- Adam Duritz. I'm going to go back and listen to that. I love this guy. Dude, it was awesome. They talked for like an hour and I had f- completely forgotten that there was a point where he was like the biggest artist in the world. He dated all the hottest women in Hollywood. What, there's like five unbelievable, yeah, like, like Jennifer Aniston, like Jennifer Courtney Aniston. Cox. <laughs> yeah. He was just like knocking him down. He was like, uh, like, uh, Pete Davidson. Now he was just dating like, and he's like, you know, whatever, pretty average, average looking he dude, like punching like way above his weight class, oh. dating the hottest women in Hollywood. <laughs> and he was talking about that being the biggest rock star in the world, dating the hottest women. And he's just like such a normal guy. But the way he spoke of that era and his knowledge of bringing music together, whatnot was incredibly interesting. And I was like, you know what? I probably should have given this guy more credit as an artist than I did when, you know, cause I'm not a huge fan of their music, but he really, he really has his shit together musically yeah. for sure. They've got some new tunes. I listened to their new CD, like, yeah, a month ago, and it's there's well, some musicians good stuff. never die, right? Like nah, they never. You keep going. Yeah, you know, if you're like a really musical person, you know, and a creative person, I think at some level that creativity has to keep coming out of you. So even when you're like way past your career, you hear about these guys. Oh yeah, he has this weird little cover band. They, they do all this yeah. like you know total different <laughs> genres of music, but it's just like they have to like keep getting that creative energy out of their bodies, right? So. It's kind of cool. Didn't he sing country music for a while? No, I think you're thinking of Darius Rucker from Hootie and the Blowfish. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. 
Which I would put in that same category of just kind of like very like middle yeah. of the road music. <laughs> I was I was a massive Hootie and the Blowfish fan, and probably because it's similar to lots of things I said. But yeah. he's now a bigger country star than he was with Hootie and the Blowfish. I told you I listen to country music every Saturday and <laughs> Sunday morning. He's it. Massive. And when you listen back, lots of their stuff had a country kind of sound to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that like, was before black guys could sing country music. Exactly. Get away with it. Like literally. <laughs> he had to wait a decade. Other than yeah. Charlie Pride. Yeah. Charlie Pride was the only yeah. guy that kind of got yeah. away with it. Which I that mean, guy was a trailblazer. Holy yeah, shit. Which is <laughs> sad yeah. but true. Two things crossing over here. Compilation albums. And then the five CDs that I have in my car that literally were in my Honda Accord for 10 years when I turned that car over. I took them out of the CD exchanger. I got in my Mercedes. I had the guy put them like, I'm to feed them in for me. And they've been in there. I've had my car, what, eight years, nine years, like they've been in there. So like, I've literally got probably 15 years with the same five CDs in my car. One to five. Top down. They are NWA straight out of Compton. The two slot is Led Zeppelin two. The three slot is Prince Greatest Hits. And then four and five is a double album called 15 Years on Death Row. And it's a, it's a Death Row Recordings compilation album. And Death Row was Snoop, Dre, Tupac, yeah. all those guys when, they, when NWA split up and Dre went that way. Ice Cube went the other way. And it's, it's really hard to find. Like you can't find that to buy digitally, that compilation album. And I'm like, I don't even know what I would do if I lost this. Like I just love it so much. Like, it's like such a great, <laughs> yeah, all these random. You burn your car and you'd buy a new car. That's it. It's, yeah. You're moving on. You fucking crash your car. I can't get a new car because I, I can't get those CDs out of the player. <laughs> I've been in there for so long. It's almost over. And the the shout out almost to that is Mogul, the podcast, if you want to cross it back to pods. like Oh, that, yeah. That Mogul podcast talks yeah. lots about all of that Death Row Records and all those guys. Yeah, right? yeah. It's yeah, it was good. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. The last. It was really good. Do you want to hear my, uh, my Bare Naked Ladies story? Yeah, let's have it. Okay. You don't have to put this in the pod. Yeah. <laughs> we we will put it in the pod. You will put it in the pod? Probably, yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll see. You'll see if you like it or not. Stephen okay. Page was the fat guy, right? The yep. lead singer? Yeah. Okay. So this was in summer of 1992. The Bare Naked Ladies yellow demo tape was out, but their first big album was Gordon. Their first big album yep. came on CD. Yep. Wasn't out yet. I had that tape and I just loved it. Played it all the time. I was driving my... The kids that I coached, I'm driving my diving team to a competition in Thunder Bay. So I'm driving Ford Econoline 15 passenger van, and I've got a dozen kids, you know, from age, I don't know, nine to 14 17. in my van. <laughs> yeah. And we listened to that tape the whole way on repeat. Those kids loved that music so much. They knew the words to every song. They would sing If I Had a Million Dollars over and over and over. They loved it. If I had a million dollars If I had a million dollars They were the biggest Bare Naked Ladies fans in the world. We pull into Thunder Bay, into the, whatever, Long Miller Inn or something in Thunder Bay. Bare Naked Ladies are not a big band yet. They're in Thunder Bay, Ontario to play whatever. The, the head frame, the Mystery Lake Hotel. Or to play some outdoor baseball field with 300 people. Their music is phenomenal, but they have not made it. They are not big stars, but they're staying at our hotel. Oh, nice. 
Okay, so we go for lunch. I take all these kids in for lunch one day. We're like between sessions of the pool. We all go in for lunch, feeding these kids. Chicken fingers and fries. Yep. Yep, yeah. chicken fingers and fries. You know, they're all fighting, screaming, trying to get them to sit down. In comes Stephen Page. Sits down at the table across the restaurant. <laughs> they start losing their minds. They're like, oh my God, oh my God, we got to go. Oh my God, we got to go. And I'm like, hey, hey, everybody, chill. You don't just get to run over and mob some guy. He's there. He's having his lunch. It's like one o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. But I'm thinking, this is pretty cool for my kids. This is like weirdly ironic that this, that the stars have aligned in this manner. So we finish up and I walk over to his table. And I said, you know, excuse me, polite as an adult, big fan of your music. Just want to let you know, like I got this group of kids over here and weirdly, they are the biggest bare naked ladies fans in the world. They literally know the words to every one of your songs. They're here for a diving competition. They're all trying to qualify to go to national championships. They're, they're super pumped. Would you mind if on their way out, I let them come over here for a couple of minutes just to say hi to you? It would really, really mean a lot to them. He looks at me and says, no, man, I'm eating my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. All right. We would eat craft in. Of course we would. We just eat more. And buy really expensive ketchups with it. That's right. All the fanciest ke- Dijon ketchup. <laughs> okay. No problem. I walk back to the table. And I go, okay, go say hi to him. And all of them went running over. And I just walked out of the restaurant. As I'm walking out, I look over and he's looking at me like, you asshole. And I look back at him and I was like, you're the asshole, buddy. Like, are you kidding me? You think you're a big rock star? Like every once in a while, I'll bump into one of my old kids that I coached and they will bring up that story. They all remember it so well. And could they tell he was upset or did he at least put on a brave face? Nah, they were 12, you know, 12 years old. They were mobbing him, like jumping up and down, you know, like whatever. And he was just furious. Yeah. <laughs> was he, he was the one that that went on to be a bit of a shitbag, right? God. Yeah, he got yeah. caught with a some gal, with a hooker and gal and a bunch of bunch of cocaine and drugs. Yeah, <laughs> it all it all kind of fell apart. He's a great musician. Yeah, his solo stuff now is really good. Like he's a great yeah. musician, but yeah, they just and they're never getting back together. That's one of those. Like, we're <laughs> yeah. gonna put on a brave face, but no, fuck you. Yeah, like, you're this is funny. You're a, that's you're my bare naked lady story. So it kind of looked like we were wrapping up and then this happened. So I was going to be, oh yeah, I'm going to go get a glass of water, kind of wrap it up. Nah, made myself another Kraken Coke press. Look at you. boy. But it's press. It's mostly water with Kraken and then some little bit of coke coloring. I I went straight 40 Creek. So what are you going to do? 40 Creek. (laughs) So we have to make a decision, Bruce. We have, we've gone through basically four out of your 20 questions (laughs) that you proposed (laughs) on your notes. (laughs) And we definitely have enough good stuff in there to make a pod. And uh, we could just keep talking about this forever. I feel like we're cooking. This is pretty fun. And, yeah. and so let's, let's kind of keep going. So I guess it's a two-parter. And here's what you've got to look forward to. We should definitely do, you know, your top songs and top artists, but maybe do them because there's probably going to be a lot of overlap. Maybe we'll do them just with less discussion. Excuse a little me, bit quicker. Unless yeah. there's something unique. No. And, and I like the karaoke song. Is a funny one. I don't know if you guys have one of those. It's a good one. Oh, yeah, I got um, and also, sure. I'd like to do one or two songs that take you to a memory because those, those are 
Those are absolutely yes. huge, right? There's lots of good stuff. Yeah. Left. Well, are you going to do a like any new artists you've picked up in the last like few years? Oh yeah, um, I like that one. I've got a bunch because of because you pick actually. up new artists all the time. George yeah. gets them from his kid. Yeah. For me, it's a little hardest. <laughs> I had to think about it hard, but I have a good one. Okay. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> You've got one. I got six. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Let's do it. Friends, thick and thin. We've always been together. We're four of a kind. Having fun all day. Piling around and laughing away. Just best friends. Best friends are we. That's the end. Best. Tell your friends to find us on social media at snowdaypod. We have an email to snowdaypod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We are Snow Day Podcast. Thanks to the rest of our team, our brother Steve, social media Todd, producer Mike, and the secret weapon, Shannon Bison.